Welcome to the Broadcasters Roundtable here on Flyers Radio 24-7. Well, the way the season ended, I don't think any of us were particularly looking forward to doing our final Broadcasters Roundtable, but here we are on the day that Chuck Fletcher announces Elaine Vigneault as coach of the Flyers, 21st coach, and I think the 12th in 22 years here in Philadelphia, but we give a chance to look forward now after uh, what was uh, a disappointing season, to say the least. Uh, I'm Tim Saunders with Bill Meltzer, Chris Terrian, Jim Jackson, and Steve Coates. Again, our last broadcaster's roundtable, and guys, Chuck Fletcher acted quickly after uh, Joel Quinville went off the board uh, in the first couple of days after the season ended. Uh, he was not going to wait and lose another prime candidate, and he thinks he's got the right guy in Elaine Vigneault. I'll say this, Timmy. Uh, uh, you know, when when you look at the coaching that's gone on, and I think that one one thing that was interesting as we listened to the press conference was um, the thing I got out of it was when you talk about Barry Trotz and the Islanders. You know, that's a team that lost John Tavares in the off season, and they really went after a big time coach. They didn't hesitate at all. Lou Lamarillo knew what he wanted to do, and he's totally restructured what they what they are in the island. They win a first round playoff series against the Pittsburgh Penguins in dramatic fashion, a sweep. So I think now that when you look at Florida going after uh, Joel Quenville, they look like a similar team to the Flyers a little bit. Uh, they've both been around the standings the last couple of years together. They went out and got a guy they felt could put him over the top. So what do the Flyers have to do? They've got to go out and get another guy who's had tremendous success, and that is uh, Alain Vigneault uh, with the Rangers in Vancouver, two trips to the finals. That's a lot of pedigree, and that's what the Flyers needed. Well, he's a great resume. And, you know, you look, this is going to be a tumultuous summer in the NHL. There's a lot of openings, and there's a lot of, a lot of uh, coaches out there. But of the coaches that are out there right now, uh, with with Quenville having gone, he, I, I think this is the guy who has the best resume. I mean, Dan Bilesma's won a cup, but I, you, you look at Vino, I mean, two different teams, his last two stops, he turned teams around to some degree. The first year in particular was very impressive. Uh, and anyone you talk to that's played for him or has, has covered him from the media standpoint says he's very organized. He'll definitely have a system this team will play. Uh, but, you know, in, in deference to Scott Gordon, who I thought did a very good job, and Dave Haxtell before him, the, the, the core is kind of, this, you know, there's still a little bit left of the core, but it's really about the young players now here, I think. They, they've got to, to take that next step. We'll see if Vino can bring that out of them. Well, I think when you take a look at the resume, like you'd mentioned, it's the best resume for a coach of all the coaches that are available right now in the National Hockey League. So the Flyers did what they had to do. They went out and got the best guy available. Did they want Joe Quenville? Yeah, it didn't work out. So you get the best guy secondly, and I think that they got a lot to look forward to. It's interesting when you take a look at the places that he's coached, when you look at the press conference and a guy comes in that's seasoned to be able to talk both to the fans, to his players, and to the, the media, where he came from probably the two toughest markets in the National Hockey League. Two of the three toughest markets, Montreal and New York. So that's not going to be a problem for him. And that's going to be a real interesting dynamic to see him come in. He's coming in with, obviously, a lot of confidence, understands what he's got to do in a big market, and he understands what he's got as far as hockey club. And you know what? Don't think that it's not going to help. It's going to help a lot having him having a French background and his head, his captain having a French background because that is going to be great for a really a great relationship. At the you know the end of the season uh, when when Chuck Fletcher kind of laid out the kind of team that he wants the Flyers to be, a team that plays with a lot of pace. Uh, you know, obviously cutting the goals against average is a is a huge priority heading into next season. 
Well, if you look at uh, you know what Vino's teams in, in Van, Vancouver and New York did, and mind you, you know he had some horses on both of those teams too. That certainly helps. Um, but if you look at what he did, well, goals against went down, particularly in Vancouver, right away, and then the, the scoring came up along with it. And uh, you know th- those have been characteristics of you know the, the teams that he's had. Now, you know there there's still some roster reshaping that has to be done. There and ultimately, with any coach or any system, you know, you need buy-in. It's it's the mentality that uh, you know the Chuck Fletcher and, and quite honestly Scott Gordon was also talking about too. That uh, you know there need there needs to be a shift in the way the players the players approach the game. You need you know you need a two hundred foot game from everybody. You need puck support. You need your goalies have a fair chance to make saves. You need to make not make life difficult to your defensemen. You need defensemen supporting the play in the offensive zone. I mean, those things were sporadically there. Uh, and of course, the Flyers had their hot streaks during the season. It's up to Alan Vigneau now to bring that out consistently. I thought it was quite interesting, though, in his press conference, the one strategical area he brought up, and it, it, he was very broad based for the most part, what he was talking about, was when the gap's tight, you got to dump the puck in. One of the biggest problems this team had. I mean, so many times they try to make that east west play when there was nowhere to go, and it led to problems the other well, way. And so, what was the most wor- used word in that press conference? Because I pace? wrote it down every time I heard it. Was it, it was consistency. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. And that has been lacking here for, sure. for whatever reason. And the other thing, I mean, granted, he brings instant credibility. He's got the best resume maybe of anybody that was available to Chuck Fletcher. But the bottom line is Chuck Fletcher had to find a guy that he communicated with, that he shared a philosophy with, and he's convinced he's found that guy. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a good point, Timmy. And I think that Chuck had showed that to us this year, coming in uh, midseason when it was the most tumultuous that I've seen it around here in quite some time. A GM gets fired, uh, a, a coach uh, uh, gets relieved, and after a, a media spill out over a weekend, it was just it was just not what we're used to seeing. So one thing I saw with with Chuck this winter, uh, and you guys, I'm sure did too. He really had a close tight-knit relationship with Scott Gordon. He wanted to know what Scott's plan was. He wanted to know what was going on. So they worked well together. And, uh, you know, I talked to Chuck about that uh, through the second half. So I think that is important now that you look at uh, with AV being here, that Chuck wants a guy now to try to to get this team up over the hump. And I think that's important to have a GM and a coach are on the same page. And certainly if they're not, then at least have the ability to communicate that and try to work out those kinks because it's all about the hockey team and it's all about winning. And Alain Vigneault said that as well. I would think that the one thing that really comes to mind with this hockey team, and this is 21 coaches, I, I knew 20 of them. So I've been here a while. The guy was unlucky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I heard about him. <laughs> but no, one thing, the, the reason I said that is only because the fact that you look back at the history of this franchise, it's got a certain, a certain uh, reputation and the way it played and the way it, it won and lost hockey games. And one thing I don't, didn't like about the way this team's played in the last couple of years. It's not a team that's hard to play against. Just not a team that's hard to play against. And I think that Alan Vigneault is the type of guy that will make, he's been to the Stanley Cup Finals, That and, and it's no deference to the past coaches. It's a matter of changing the attitude in the room and things of that nature. But to be successful in the National Hockey League, you've got to be hard. 60 minutes, night after night after night. And this hockey club just hasn't had that. I got to say this, though. As, as you pointed out, or Timmy, I think you pointed out the numbers. There have been a lot of coaching changes here. There have been a lot of coaching changes in a lot of cities, but the, the inconsistency has stayed throughout those coaches, whether it be Dave Axel, Craig Berube. Go back even further. Uh, so what can he do, or do they have to continue to make changes to 
the quote-unquote core that I keep hearing about, which really what's left of the core is Claude Giroux, Jake Voracek, John Couturier, maybe. Uh, maybe you include Ghost in that, but there's really not much of the core left. But, I mean, how do you change that? I mean, he was kind of asked that in the press conference, and he went back to you know philosophical talk, well, but it, it, it's, it's tough to change. Before we get into where this team is going, let's go back to Chuck Fletcher's exit interview uh, the day that uh, he met with the media, and he detailed three things he was looking for in a head coach. Shared philosophy, which we talked about, the ability to communicate with players, and recognizing that this team needs a change in mindset. You've got to be able to imp- uh, install or instill proper uh, habits and hold players accountable, and that's going to be the bottom line. That word accountable is huge. If you talk to anybody in St. Louis when we were there last or a couple of weeks ago and they said, what's with the big change? And this came right for the general manager, Doug Armstrong. He said Craig Berube came in and made the players accountable. So, hey, listen, you just don't go out every shift and, and do what you want and still get to play unless you produce, whether it be on the penalty kill, the power play, and five-on-five. Five. And I think that the successful coaches of the National Hockey League are the ones, Barry Trotz, accountable. He holds them accountable. And obviously you can see that there's a great success with those type of coaches. Yeah, and you can even look, you know, last night's, you know, last night's Boston-Toronto game, right? David Pasternak sat for much of the first period. Uh, you know, that nothing speaks to a player more than ice time. And, I mean, Vigno is not a, an orator. He's not a fiery guy necessarily. But, I mean, players know where they stand with him. You know, and if he has trust in you, you're going to play. And if you don't play the right way, you won't. It's simple as that. Well, moving forward, um, the needs of this hockey club, which are going to be addressed, uh, we hope, in the offseason. That's Chuck Fletcher's primary objective now that he's handled uh, or, or has filled the coaching uh, decision or made the coaching decision what constitutes a busy summer because everybody's uh, saying that this is going to be a really active next few months in my mind you're not going to replace half your roster it, and and you don't do that through free agency anyway biggest needs according to chuck fletcher and i think all of us would agree is finding a second line center potentially adding a veteran defenseman and deciding who your backup goaltender is going to be. The second-line center, man, that's easier said than done. If they can do that, that would be a huge step forward. Kevin Hayes. I, I mean, to me, he's played for Vigneault. I just think more than ever he might be in, He might be the third-line center. And Nolan Patrick is not out of line. You know, He could still be the second-line center. He's 20 years old. A lot of people want to give up on Nolan Patrick. But, I mean, the guy shows glimpses of being a number one center. At and 20 then, years of age, is it realistic to expect Nolan Patrick to start next year as the second-line center? Not necessarily start, but I could see him being there at the end of the oh, year. Oh, I don't think there's any question he's yeah. going to get there. Yeah. But do you need another option going at the start of the year? And you know what? I actually like the other option because if that slots him down and allows him to continue his development and take some pressure off that being a second-line slot, I mean, there's Brock Nelson's another guy. There's another one. Uh, yep. there's, there are names. I like the one you mentioned, too. Um, either one of the – if I'm looking at it from, from my standpoint, just from what – this is my own personal opinion, what I saw this year, I think this team needs to get bigger and a little bit heavier down low. And there's a lot of I teams right that. now, like if you look at Vegas, they've got a pretty big team there. they got some guys that can go up and down that wing, some real girth to that whole – to what they're doing. So I think that's a step absolutely with a top-end defenseman, I think is, is something that they, they need to get here, which allows the, the that rung – on the hockey team, just to slide down one. It allows Provorov maybe an extra couple minutes a game 
to get his breath and to sort things out a little better, which will make him more efficient. And that slides all the way down. But a veteran guy who's been in this league a while, to me, is a must. How good is it, though, guys, when you look at it now at the end of the year that we ended up getting the goaltending situation ironed itself out by accident? Well, we tried eight, and we got right. one. But no, <laughs> no, it is ironic. We, we set the record, right? They set the record for goalies used, and that's the year the Flyers probably found their goalie moving forward. We, we certainly hope so. I like the, the, the thought process on getting bigger. This team's been too small for an awful long time, and it's amazing how quickly we got bigger on the blue line now with Moran's added, Sanheim's added, um, uh, Myers is added. So now you've got some – it even looks – like you got to have that look. you got to have that feel like you're skating around the warm-up. Bundy, you were a bigger guy at the time. You're skating around the warm-up, and you're looking across the red line, and you go, wow. We, I mean, we're not very big. They're big, and we're going to have a tough time with them. That's just – the optics is hard sometimes – so I think that's the number one thing. But the bottom line is with a guy like Nolan Patrick, you get excited, you look good. It's like, wow, he's arrived. Okay. And then next thing he falls off like the cliff. And it's amazing to me. I don't care how old you are. I mean, show, it's just like amazing to me how you could be so good. There's no in between with him. And so to say, well, he could be a second line center. Well, we always overrate our talent. We go to preseason anyway. That happens. That's, that's, that's a given. But to be able to tap him into that spot right now, is, it's a hard thing. It is. He's 20 it years is. old, right? I mean, Yeah, but there's a lot like of guys it. that come in at 18, 19, do a pretty good job. Yeah, so I say yeah. age is not. Maturation year, I mean. comes at different levels, both physically and mentally. And But he is just so, like, off the charts as far as the graph. I think it's A.V.'s biggest challenge. I really do. I think if he can unlock Nolan Patrick, this team looks a lot better. Yeah, yeah. And, and we saw that from the middle of January until, you know, I guess – late February, beginning of March, I think five of his goals, 12 of his points came in a 13-game span. And, and it wasn't just the points, too. It was, it was the two-way game. He played really well right before he right. started getting the and, points. And you, you could see yeah. it building towards yeah. that. I remember the game against Dallas here. You could see you know, you could see things coming together. You didn't have a point in that game, but, but you could see things coming together. And uh, you, know, you mentioned Kevin Hayes' name. That was, that was the name I was thinking as well. The size factor is yeah. the other part of Kevin Hayes. Yeah, yeah. and, and if I you're, agree with Bundy. I really yeah. think – this team and coach, and this Rob team, yes, this team needs to get some size and and just a little bit. I'm I'm hoping that Ryan Hartman can bring this. I, I'm not sure I saw it consistently enough, but they do need that that sandpaper guy that gets underneath the other team's skin. Travis Konechny does it to some degree with his mouth, but I, I mean I just think you need that in today's game. Still, it's it's kind of fading a little bit, but come the playoffs, it certainly is there. I would say also that, you know, we, we talked about the other need being a, a veteran defenseman, whether it's, a, you know, a guy in his late 20s, even, as, you know, just, just who's had some experience in league 500 plus games. You know, other than other than Eric Carlson, there's really not any, many big names of unrestricted free agency. There's one guy, but he kind of is like the rest, Tyler Myers. We'd, we'd right. have a basketball team with the blue yeah. line if they, they signed Tyler right. Myers. But, I mean, you're right. You look at the, the, the unrestricted free agents on D and – I think, yeah, I think you might have to go the trade route, and that's it's easier said than done. But if the Flyers could get uh, another 20-minute-a-night defenseman and, and balance your pairings, go left-right, you know, ideally it's a right-handed shooter. You know, and uh, I, don't, I don't know if, you know, for example, if, you know, you were able to acquire a guy like Truba and what the cost would be. He's a restricted free He's agent? restricted this yeah. year. But, uh, you know, but Winnipeg has some cap issues. I mean, he might be a guy who might be available in the right kind of trade. Then I would like how your your pairings would, would shake out, and then of course the other the other piece is the uh, a goaltender to work along with uh, Carter Hart. It'll be interesting now. It's particularly because uh, Cam Talbot also knows uh, Vino from New York Very too. Well, yeah. So that 
you see, you know, I think there was already kind of a fit there, and I think that's even more so. Now. I want to get into how Elaine Vigneault is going to get this team here, but let's first drill down into what the primary goal has got to be as far as what first has to be corrected. You're 29th in the league defensively. You've given up 3.4 goals allowed per game. You can't win doing that. And what I found really interesting in the exit interviews with Chuck Fletcher especially, and to a lesser extent Scott Gordon, they're not looking necessarily at the blue line to how to improve this team defensively. A lot of it falls to the forwards and how they're playing with the puck. Well, and I think the one thing there, Timmy, that you go back to to the AV presser was the the consistency part or the part where you're talking about if you don't have a play, dump the puck in. Uh, I'm not going to pick on Travis Konechny on purpose here because he's not alone, but how many times have you seen a guy approach the blue line, there's no play, and then for whatever incredible reason, even games in March, you'd see someone float a backhander into the middle of the ice at the offensive blue line, and the other team goes the other way on a three-on-two or two-on-one. That's the stuff that has to stop, and that's not on the defense. I'm not I'm trying to side with the defense when they make their own fair share of mistakes as well. We, that's the nature of the business. It's a hard position. But they do not need the extra stress of floated pucks into the middle and another team coming back in transition. It abs- those are smarter decisions that have to be made that would have eliminated probably an entire puck off the end of the score at the end of the game through the course of a year. I, I- Everything you just said is absolutely correct. I mean, the giveaways, this hockey club, and the ability to be able to score, and the way that they scored on a counterattack overtime was just deadly when I look back at that when we coughed up the puck in three-on-threes. And the other thing I don't, and I'd like to get your comment is from, as a defenseman, I hate when we wheel the puck around the, bull, around the boards on our own zone just for the sake of getting rid of it. If there's a plan, I'm all for it. But just all of a sudden, and how many times did we see defensemen understand that they were going to do that, pinch, and all of a sudden, here it comes the other way again. Those are the things that, and what is there, what is the, where were we right now this, or where were we this year in giveaways, league rating? The thing, well. Yeah, you know, what's the difference in a giveaway and a takeaway? Yeah, it's yeah. tough for the league it's stats. Yeah. Uh, the eyes will tell you we gave it away a lot. There's okay, no good. Right. How's that? That was very, very, <laughs> very, very, very good. Yeah. <laughs> and these are these are all things that uh, you know Scott Gordon was well aware of every no one of these issues. Uh, you know, talk about talk about trying to get into the offensive zone. I don't know how many times Gordo said, and, it, and it's a simple concept. I mean, you you hear it coming up through hockey. If the ice is in front of you, make a play. If the ice is behind the defenseman, dump it in. But yet that 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 fundamental just was not there for much of the season. Uh, you talked about you talked about breakouts going around the boards or, or trying to chip it off the glass and out when you didn't have to, and you know so many times the Flyers ended up having to try three, four, you know, who knows how many times to, to get out of the zone when there was a simple play to make it on the front end of it, you know that that could have prevented a, a lot of that trouble. The, the other piece of it too, you know, is that um, you know some sometimes the the shot selection too. Uh, you know, Gordo would talk about. Don't skate the puck. Don't move the puck away from the net. Move it to the net. How, how many times would the, you get in the offensive zone? You end up with a lesser chance, or a guy passing up an open shot. I mean, these these are all things that uh, you know you see consistently with the teams that win consistently, and was talked about a lot. And and you know players are aware of it, but somehow somehow it didn't click. I think we all think very highly of Scott Gordon. I think universally, For he's sure. going to be an absolutely. He's going to be a head coach in I the hope NHL. He gets that job in and I hope soon. Yeah, uh, but as far as defensive. I, Gordo talked about this all the time. The teams that defend the best aren't in their zone. They don't play in their zone much. And, again, it goes back to 
what the forwards are doing with the puck to play it at the other end. I'll give you a word. You said accountability that was in there in that thing. Then all the things we're talking about is basically execution. Your, your, your players aren't executing. You can have a system, but if you don't execute the system, which was continual, like coming out in the first 10 minutes of a building, in, a, in our building, it was same. It was the same. Groundhog Day. Nothing was happening. There was no execution. There was no energy. There was nothing. So those are the things that this coach has to take into consideration. We can keep going, but it's a, it's a big job and, he's got. And I bring it back to the fact that this is not one. It's not that they played this way only under Scott Gordon or only under Dave no. Axtell or Craig. We can go back three or four coaches. So it's not the coaching. That's, it's not. that's what makes me think that maybe they have to make not half the team changes, Timmy, but they do have to make some significant changes in the personnel. And some of the new personnel that's going to end up coming here may not come just in free agency. Right. Uh, I wouldn't put it past uh, Chuck Fletcher to use some of the assets he now has in the organization to acquire some of those pieces that he can't get through free agency. Yeah, and that'll be a challenge, uh, you know, as well. A lot of people have those excess players that they're going to try to, to try to uh, turn into a, a roster player on the NHL level. So uh, that'll be that'll be a, 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 a big summer, I think, for Chuck in terms of sorting that out and working again with, with Vigneault to figure out what they want to do. Um, you know, I was just, just thinking when I went back to the, uh, the part about the defense, you talk about the D zone stuff, and I was thinking about uh, when I watch Vegas play. If you watch Vegas play, if they don't have a play coming out of the zone, it's interesting, they just flip it out of the zone. And when they've done it five, six, seven, eight times in a row, it keeps going outside the blue line, eventually someone will make a mistake in the neutral zone and they go back down the other way offensively. It's unbelievable. Simple, simple hockey. And uh, I think that's where the Flyers need to get. You talk about the puck not being in the zone, get it out of the zone. So I'm just interested to think about a guy like Gerard Gallant and how much has passed. Uh, it's, it's simple hockey, but it's working for them. So Vigneault said in the press conference that you adapt yourself to the team that you have rather than try to adapt the team to your philosophy. Um, I think that's, that's good. I think the bottom line thing, though, that he brings is you've, you've got to uh, provide the right tools, leadership, whatever you want to call it, uh, teaching habits. You brought up Claude Giroux. I think he's going to help Claude Giroux become a better captain um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, I, I think you got to. He talked about helping guys channel what they do more effectively. I don't think if you look back over the years, like Claude's been the captain of this hot club eight years. He was at a disadvantage where he was playing with guys that I don't think he learned how to become a, at, at, at the complete 100% ability to be the best captain. I think there is some, some holes there that he could become a lot better, and I think that Alan Vigneault with the people, like he mentioned, the Sedin brothers in Vancouver. I mean, if he says that about the Sedin brothers and he had that leadership in the Sedin brothers, he could translate that to a guy like Claude Giroux because this has been the same for an awful long time, like Jimmy said. Okay, so what's the constant? We've changed all these coaches, but we still have the same results. And when you miss the playoffs like we have and have not had a great success over the last years, this is when we have change. It's got to come. That You have to change the culture. So heading back to that, it starts with the captain, and I would think that he would be the first guy to say, hey, I could do a better job too. He says he's got the passion to win. You just learn, have to learn how to, through the right direction, how to take advantage of that in the most effective way possible. I, I don't know what goes on all the time. Obviously, we hear some things. 
he's absolutely right about his passion to win. But Claude is a he's kind of a polite guy. He doesn't like to necessarily ruffle the feathers of teammates. Uh, that doesn't mean the captain has to be the guy to do that. Wayne Simmons, apparently, according to reports, was one of the guys who used to do that. Um, so, you know, they're going to have to find somebody else. Or Claude's going to have to change his personality a little bit. I think you're probably better off getting somebody else who's going to come in and be the bad cop. Uh, having said that, I, I don't want us to get away, Tim. We're making this seem like, oh, A.V.'s got quite a job to do here. He's got a lot of great young talent. He's got a goalie we think is going to be a franchise goalie. He's got talent up front. There, there's a lot to build on here. He's just gonna, you know, they're just gonna have to figure it out a little bit. But don't you agree, Bill? That this this team has a ton of potential. Oh, certainly. And and you know, we saw that for most of the second half of the season until they kind of ran ran out of gas a little bit. But that was, you know, one of the one of the most encouraging signs to me. You know, for a large part of the second half was the way that younger players were contributing. You know, um, Travis Sandheim took a big step forward this year, and I was playing 20 minutes a night. Much more confident player. You know, and, and when he did have a little mini slump towards the, uh, you know, towards the end, he was honest about it. He said, I, I haven't played close to my best hockey, and I know I have another level in me. Flyers go out the next night, they play against Toronto, and he had, I think, one of his best games as a pro. You know, you want to see, you want to see that from young players, that, that self-awareness, but also taking the initiative. Um, we saw Oscar Lindblom take big steps forward this year. Um, you know, Patrick has to follow it through and, and do it more consistently. So the elements are there. Um, you also talked about you know Ryan Hartman coming in, you know coming in the Simmons trade and sporadically uh, provided an element that the team needed to add to. So certainly, certainly pieces are there. Um, you know, and and it'll be you know the the job of the team to to build to build on that. But I think you know I think we saw hints of what the team could be. Some young guys may not love playing for this guy, but something tells me he's going to make them better by challenging them. You know what? And at this point, who cares? Right? They've been in the playoffs. They've been out of the playoffs. They've been in, lost first round. Who cares? At this point, you know, you talk about the different transitions of a team and how much rope a coach has and how much rope the team has. The team should have no rope right now. Right. It should be all the coach. It should be in his corner right now to make the decisions for the immediate future of this team. And I think the players at this point should sit, sit back, shut up, and listen for a while and let the train go where it deserves to go and where it should go. Accomplishment and success will bring you ice time. You don't bring that to the table, then you don't get the ice time. And that goes back, and we just keep going, following back to accountability. It's very simple. You just said it one, in a very, very quick terms that the fact that if you want to play whether it be power play five on five and penalty kill you're going to produce if you don't produce you don't play why should the coach nobody more than the coach stands behind that bench needs to have an accomplished team in front of him he doesn't want to have to go out there and stand behind that bench watch it night after night after night and not react and say hold on for a second i've had enough i'm not going to put you out there anymore we haven't had a hell of a lot of that here over the last few years because, well, for a lot of different reasons, but the bottom line is that's what brings success. Proper direction, I think, is going to be what it comes down to. It's going to be interesting to see. He's got the resume. He's got the credibility. Uh, players make decisions as to ice time and who plays based on 
how they react and whether they do the things necessary to keep them in the lineup, and that's the way it ought to be. Probably a good way to wind this up. We'll do this again early in the season uh, as we get closer to training camp. We'll by then know what Chuck Fletcher was able to address, whether it be through free agency or trades. Uh, This team is going to look a little different than it did at the end of this past season, and that's probably a good thing. I want to thank uh, Gritty, by the way. Best round table ever. He, he made an appearance he just did. before we got started. Well, I took a selfie with Gritty. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and you're proud of it, aren't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, hey, just prior to it, we, you know, obviously when you get together like this, you, you, you sometimes there's a frustration of what we've gone through uh, as an organization over the last few years, and you try to, to, to analyze it. And you try. It's not a, a, a criticism of what's happened in the past. It's just an observation to make it better. Because this is, as Alan Vigneault says, a fabulous organization, and it's got a great upside. And Bill said just now that it's got a team. It's, it's a team that has the right ingredients with a couple of additions that can make it a lot, uh, a lot better. And I think that that is something that our fans should look forward to because it's definitely going to change. Our final broadcaster roundtable for Bill Meltzer, Chris Terrian, Jim Jackson, Steve Coates. I'm Tim Saunders. The preceding program is an original production of Flyers Radio 24-7. You can find this and other programs available on demand at flyersradio247.com.